This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by three of our summer interns, and we'll hear a little bit more from them shortly. But we have Jessica Keck from London, Samuel Prempe, who joined us in the Salt Lake City office, but virtually. So he was in Seattle and Nyan Goyle, who joined us in our Bengaluru office. So I'm going to talk to each of them in turn. And we're going to run through some of the results of the survey we do every summer of our interns and what it revealed about the most unusual intern summer that we've ever had. So I'm just going to start by letting each of them introduce themselves. Maybe we'll start with Jessica. Jessica, where did you join us from virtually and and describe a little bit of your experience this summer? Yeah. Hi, Jake. First of all, I'm delighted to be here. And I was interning in the investment banking division in the London office but working remotely from Germany. So I had a great experience. It was fantastic. And I think what you're getting out of the internship is what you put in. Sammy, why don't you describe a little bit of how it went for you? Obviously, you're expecting to be in Salt Lake City. That didn't work out. How was it like to work remotely? It was an amazing learning experience. Initially, I was confused and a little nervous as to how things would go about. But then getting an amazing support from my mentors and my buddy kind of prepared me before day one, the conversations I had was phenomenal. I originally grew up in Ghana in West Africa. And so uh, there was a little bit of a different culture in here. And so preparing me before day one was just perfect. And I just went in, gave up my all and made use of all the resources available. And at the end of the day, it was a positive outcome. Diane, why don't you give us your perspective? Yeah, definitely. So I worked in the Bangalore office of Goldman Sachs and I joined from Bombay in India. And it was one phenomenal working experience with GS because my team was amazing. Everyone was very supportive and they helped me guide through how to as to complete do my work and any doubts or any query would they would always be more than willing to help me in that. And initially, I had a lot of apprehensions as to how this internship was going to work because it was the first time I would be working something like work from home in such an environment. But it never felt departed from the team or disoriented from the work during any time of the internship. So it was a great experience. So one of the big debates people are having, because this is a new experience and we don't have a lot of data yet, is about productivity and whether productivity was enhanced or hurt by this experience. Why don't you give us your own perspective on that? I'll start, Nyan, with you. How did you feel about your productivity level this summer and what did it feel like? Initially, it was a bit difficult to kind of get accustomed to this kind of culture, but I think it was a steep learning curve. Towards the second or third week, I kind of got into the cycle of getting adjusted to the working style of the team and working environment. And yeah, I think the one challenge which I faced in case of in terms of productivity was that those lines between the professional life and the personal life gets somewhat blurred in work from home. But I think with time, you kind of get hold of it and with discipline and with marking properly as to what you, when you want to work and how much you want to complete when. So I think that really helps in kind of steering your productivity in the right direction. Samuel, how about you? It's always often hard to benchmark because this is a brand new job. So it's hard to gauge whether you're more or less productive than you would have been. But what was your experience like? For me, productivity was largely based on my adaptability and how I succeeded in internship. And so What I did really was, first of all, wake up a couple of hours early and try and get myself mentally and physically prepared. Because it was virtual and not being in the office, I had everything seemed to be more structured. If I had to ask questions or have to catch up with my buddy, I'd have a specific email that I would send and, you know, prepare things 
that I wouldn't usually do it if I was there in person. And so getting that time to prepare myself before the day was absolutely one of the best things that I could do. And also really keeping all the relevant stakeholders in the loop as to what I was doing. Because then again, you're in a different location, but then you have to make sure that everyone is in the loop of what you're doing, especially working in your projects, making sure that if you're doing something that is not what is expected, you're, you get that correction and fix it right away before moving forward. And just really taking um, short breaks during the course of the day, just to re-energize yourself and come back to your desk because it could be long, it could be lonely. And so having that kind of three things in there was perfect for me. Jessica, I'd like your perspective. And also I'll ask you another question, which is fully three quarters of the interns surveyed said that working virtually, they were concerned it would have a negative ability on their impact to build relationships. Address that question too, because <laughs> it's obviously understandable that people would feel like working virtually would hurt their ability to form deeper bonds. Yeah. So first of all, regarding my productivity, I would say working from home increased my productivity due to three main reasons. So first, I kept weekly to-do lists where I was writing down what I wanted to accomplish each week. And second, I made sure I discussed deadlines with my colleagues to prioritize projects and always ask for feedback. And third, every evening, I recapped the day and wrote down three good things, but also reflected on three things I wanted to get better on or improve about myself. Regarding the ability to build relationships, I have to admit that I first thought building connectivity and relationships with my colleagues may present some challenges in a virtual working environment. However, I just try to always be proactive in reaching out to my team and over-communicated my progress and always ask questions. So they did a fantastic job at the end and making me feel close to the team even though we did not physically work alongside. Samuel, how about you? Did you feel like you were able to build relationships despite the distance and the oddness of working virtually? Yes, I was able to, but then I see this as a 70-30 thing because there was that missing thing of not having that physical interaction in there. But then at the end of the day, it gave me the opportunity to even work on my communication skills better and also amplify my personality over Zoom or what kind of software that I was using. And so at the end of the day, I was able to build that, but it was a learning experience as well that forced me to be even better and communicate much more. And so with the 70-30, with that physical aspect being missing, aside that everything seems to be perfect in there, just keeping everyone in the loop again and having that constant communication was very helpful. So Nayan, you missed an opportunity to spend time in our brand new office in Bangalore, but were you able to build relationships as though you were there? Yeah, so I think Samuel encapsulated it pretty well. It really helped me to improve on my communication skills in terms of email writing and, you know, talking over Zoom and everything. But yeah, I feel a little bit of physical communication could have been better. Like uh, it's like a hundred percent work from home, but obviously given the current situation, we cannot have that. But I think moving forward, building relationships and work from home, I don't think is really a challenge unless you maintain that little bit of physical communication as well at some point or the other in time. So yeah, it was a good experience. Also, the nature of my work was such that I had to interact with people from other offices like in Hong Kong and all as well. So I think it even that helped me in communicate in my in building relationships with people. And yeah, that was a good experience. So we're all spending a lot of time thinking about the future of work. I know Bentley is spending a lot of time, particularly on that. Roughly two-thirds of our interns, 63%, thought that flexible work arrangements and customized schedules will become more common, partly because employees will demand it. What's your own view on that? Maybe I'll start with Jessica. 
So I fully agree. I think customized online schedules will be more common because I had the best experience ever. So I definitely think this could be the beginning of a future trend. All right, Samuel, how about you? you? Are you ready to have a blend of work in the future? Yes, yes, 100%. And just to piggyback of what Jessica said, I, I believe we're in unprecedented times and companies are being pushed to do things that they haven't previously done and just embrace a new normal. And so really having that perfect balance of changing things and making sure that they are putting things in place to get the best out of their employees through flexible work shadows is the thing that's going to happen. And really, I feel that also eats into mental health as well being a very important thing, giving employees a chance to be flexible, to do things in a way that will let them be the best is just spectacular. And so I think that's the future of work and I look forward to it. All right, Nyan, are you part of the two thirds or are you ready to just spend all your days in the office? I'm definitely a part of two thirds. I feel in the coming years, <laughs> More and more employees will work with flexible schedules from a variety of locations. And it may not just be their homes, but also a place where they always want you to travel and where they will visit. And I feel just how we have come a long way from a nine to five kind of a culture to work from home today. I think we, it won't be long before we will be moving towards these flexible working arrangements. And uh, I think it's a great concept because it enables an individual to kind of devote completely to his personal goals and aspirations and also to his personal life. And at the same time, maintain a good work-life balance. So yeah, I think this, this will be the future of workspace. We'll have to go out and try to find one of that one-third that thinks work is not changing, but not on this call. So outside of work, one of the fun things about the survey is we get to ask the interns what's going on in culture or what's going on outside of work. Obviously, our interns are avid users of streaming services. We always ask what their favorite is. 42% listed Netflix as their favorite. Maybe we'll just take a little break and say, what's your favorite thing to watch? And are you a binge watcher? Nyan, how about you? So I'm not much of a TV show person. I watch more of movies, but uh, so I'm not a binge watcher at all. I cannot just sit and you know, watch TV shows for hours. That's not my thing. It depends on the show also. And unless it's like one really great show, like some thriller or something, I might, but it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, that's it. So, but uh, what I'm currently watching would be How to Get Away with Murder. But uh, yeah, it's just one show which I would watch as thriller, but not TV show kind of person I am. Okay, how about you, Jessica? Every once in a while, I like to watch a movie to calm down, but I'm definitely not a binge watcher either. So besides that, I also like watching travel documentaries, since I think they provide an opportunity to connect with the world and understand different cultures. Especially since we can't travel. So yeah. as close as we can get right now. Samuel? Yes, I'm a part of the Netflix team, but again, just like everyone else, I'm not a binge watcher. I'm not a serious person as well, but then... I seem to get more inclined to documentaries, documentaries about nature, technology, history, because I think it keeps me informed and I find them more interesting than movies. I've, at the moment, I'm actually watching one called Crim Camp, and it's talking about the journey of how the Disability Act was enacted in the U.S. I think that's super interesting. So that's what I would spend my time watching on it on a day. Cool. So not surprisingly, you know, our interns are big social media users too. And interestingly, at a time when there's a lot of debate around the role of Facebook and Twitter and the like in our culture, a full 70% of our interns said they believe that social media has a net positive impact on society. 
At the same time, this year, we're seeing a lot of social media noise around public figures and celebrities for having said something inappropriate. What are your thoughts on the so-called cancel culture? And do you think people should be given more of an opportunity to apologize and change? And, and how do you feel about the role that social media plays in that part of the culture? I'll start with Nayan. Yeah, so definitely cancel culture is something which has taken into, into this uh, new age. But I feel people should be given a chance to explain themselves and change because I feel sometimes social media can become a really intolerant and toxic space and people can get become really, really unapologetic. But I feel just like everyone else, even celebrities or, or anyone who is at who is at gunpoint at that time can make mistakes and they should be given a fair chance to prove themselves again. Especially in the Indian context today, there has been a lot of debate going on in this particular topic because of the current situations. But yeah, I don't think this is something which we as a society would like to take forward and would definitely change this for us. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. How about you, Samuel? What do you think? For me, I think, first of all, cancel culture sits with activism and trying to provide support to people who might be victims in some way, but then it has evolved over time. And I believe this should be a reevaluation of how it is. I personally do not think social media should make the decision on, on canceling someone. Um, at the end of the day, it really boils down to you as a person and the values that you hold. Um, I believe as time goes on, that this should be a system or some sort, or even a public nudge that would help you individuals properly regulate and know how to take these decisions. Then again, I believe humans progress on different successions of point of views over time and it changes. And so giving them another chance would be the best thing to do because at the end of the day, we're trying to have compassion. But then again, it really depends on the offense and there are some non-negotiables. But then um, I think it's very important to say that when you cancel on someone, you don't just cancel on some, themselves as a person, but you cancel their ideas, their, their their talents, their gifts, and even decades of work that they've done. And so having a perfect balance between how you will work on that would be the best thing to do, in my opinion. So giving them another chance or reevaluating circumstances would be the best thing to do. That's a more nuanced and thoughtful view than, than we would find on social media. But thanks for that, Samuel. How about you, Jessica? Yes, I fully agree with the two other interns. I think social media has changed the way we interact with each other forever. And on the one hand, it can be influential on society in a positive way because it allows us to stay in touch. But on the other hand, social media can foster antisocial behavior and can result in the spread of misinformation. So I think the idea that a person can be counseled it's a collective way of saying we're not going to pay attention to that public figure or celebrity anymore. So it goes without saying that COVID's changed our lives pretty dramatically in a lot of ways. What I thought was interesting in the survey is that a lot of interns thought that daily life would change permanently. Uh, just as one stat, a quarter of them, 24%, mentioned they will never view attending a concert or live sporting event the same in the future. Not that they would never do it, but that it would permanently change their way of thinking about that. Is that your view? And what do you miss about life pre-COVID? Let's we'll start with Naya. Coming to the concert point of view, I think it's just a short-term thing. I believe, uh, I don't know if I'm being too optimistic on this, but I do believe that we will be get, we get to attend those concerts and those large gatherings again. I hope so. <laughs> and coming to pre-COVID life, what I 
miss the most about that time is spending time in my hostel life and uh, spending time with my buddies and hanging out and just having those deep conversations at night and because I stay in hostel life away from home. So yeah, and making those impromptu plans, going trekking and everything. So that's something which I definitely miss and yeah, would love to do that again. So Jessica, how about you? Is this going to permanently change the way you view certain things? And, and what do you miss about life before the pandemic? Yeah, so I think it's sport events and concerts will change permanently. I think it will never be the same. Maybe, yeah, I think it will totally change. And what I miss the most is definitely exploring new cultures around the world. So I have lived in Singapore for almost a year before starting the internship at Goldman Sachs. And I have lived in three different European countries in the last few years. So I really miss exploring cultures and living in different places. There's only so much travel documentaries uh, can do. So uh, uh, Samuel, how about you? What are you? What are you missing about life before the pandemic? I miss not being conscious and calculated of myself when I step out. I think now and every time I step out, I have to be well geared up. I have to be very careful about the distance I have in between people, where I'm going, what I'm touching and whatnot. And it just adds on to the things that you have to do in a day. And so hopefully when things come back to normal, I wouldn't have to worry about all of that again. In regards to the activities that happen outside, even if everything goes back to normal, I think as humans, we will have this kind of residual effects behind our backs. And so we'll be extra careful about things that we do. And it will take a while for things to get back to normal. But then I'm hopeful about the future. I think things are going to get much better in a couple of years. Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Well, I'm sharing my responsibilities today with Bentley DeBuyer, who joined Goldman pretty recently at an interesting point in time and is running our human capital management system globally, or what some people might call HR. So he's in charge of all our people and is ultimately in charge of this interim program. Bentley, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jake. Thanks for having me here. And it's great to meet Samuel and Diane and Jessica as well. So let's just talk about the virtual program, which you ran this summer with your team. How do you prepare for it? How do you think about trying to make this a rich experience? And how did it play out? What met your expectations and what was different? I think if there's ever a time that you test organizational agility or learning agility in the participants in the summer program, but in our leadership, in our managers and in our HCM team as well, it was this year. And a lot of our focus right up to David. John Stephen, the senior leadership of the firm, was to ensure that every intern and every uh, new arrival in summer had a very compelling real-world experience. And I think that's where we really focused a lot of our attention. Our HCM team had to think about how we virtualize. We did everything from sending generators to Africa to support people and power needs to looking at 25 or 30%, I think it was, folks who weren't going to be based in there future location to do this. So it was a truly global, highly integrated effort. And, you know, I'm super proud of how it's landed. Feedback's been great. Just been listening intently to the reflections you guys have had on how you're navigating right now in the virtual environment and through the pandemic. On top of the pandemic, we've had an ongoing race crisis. And I think this year conversations about systemic racial inequalities have gained a lot of momentum. We've seen a lot of protests continue around the world and 71% of our interns, I understand, mentioned they're having discussions with family and friends about race and discrimination right now. Why do you think these conversations are important? Let me start with you, Samuel. First of all, I believe it is very important for corporations to have this conversation because it 
it tells whoever is going to work there their stance on that issue. And I will relate this to before I started an internship. We had an email from Goldman that said that told us about their stand on the racial inequality that was happening. And for me, as an African coming to the U.S. and working here, it sort of gave me an awareness that I'm joining a company that accepts me for who I am and trusts and believes in my abilities. I believe having that kind of awareness really shows compassion and says, we care for you. And so it really puts me in a better place to work effectively and be a better employee as compared to coming to work and thinking, hey, is what is someone thinking about me when I step out of work and et cetera? I think it gives me the right peace of mind to work effectively and be the person I could be. That's really powerful, Samuel. Thank you. Nayan, I welcome your reflections on this. How do you continue to educate yourself in this space? I know 65% of our interns have educated themselves on racial inequality by reading books and articles. What have you been learning in the space? So I feel having these conversations are extremely important because it makes us more sensitive towards other communities and people. And also I feel um, the major reason why discrimination stems, it's because of ignorance, not to mention the prejudices people have towards other communities and everything. And having these conversations makes us aware of their struggles and what they may go through, which we may be completely unaware of. And also in a way, makes us aware of how privileged we are in a way. And I think that's why it helps us becoming more sensitive towards other people and understanding their struggles as well. And I think this this is what will help us in changing the society as at large, because the more we talk about it, the more people have become aware and the more sensitive we become about it. That would be my answer. That's great, man. And Jessica, as someone who's a global citizen and seen this live in, in many different cultures and environments, I'd be really interested to understand what sort of conversations you're having in this space right now with family and friends. So I think conversations about racial inequalities are fundamental to create awareness that equality is not yet a reality. And it's important to understand this to eventually improve the situation and create meaningful change. So yeah, that's, that's what I learned about it. And I think to overcome these inequalities, this is not just the task of one single nation or institution. So I think we would rather need a combined approach of private and public institutions across all nations. I get very energized when I hear these responses, guys, and I, I think too so much of the work that we're doing Goldman Sachs is around the sustainability of our work in this space, not just an episode or a reaction, but a sustainable response. Thank you for that. It's very exciting to hear that. Let's pivot a little bit to the next jobs. A lot of our interns have said the three things they most care about is what they do day to day, who they work with, and advancement opportunities. So when choosing an employer, is being socially conscious or having a higher purpose something that you look for now as well? Let me go back to you, Jessica, first. I think it'd be really interesting to understand how important is being socially conscious or an employer being socially conscious and having a higher purpose to you in terms of your decision-making. So I would say top of mind for me are three things. First, having a challenging job where I can continuously have the opportunity to grow and further develop myself. Second, working together with interesting clients where you can feel a sense of purpose and you feel passionate about improving the client situation. And third, being surrounded by smart colleagues who intellectually stimulate you. And I found all of that in my team at Goldman Sachs and Investment Banking. That's great. I mean, Samuel, you've mentioned you know, the capacity, the signals you've heard from the company around bringing full self to work. And I'm really delighted to hear that. But how important is it in terms of your decision-making around, you know, affiliating and, and connecting to a firm that's socially conscious? 
I feel it's a very, very important thing to look out for, but especially for me. And I think so because working in a company that is socially conscious translates into the culture that's at work. And having a good culture at work means you're working very good with your coworkers and even with your clients that you're working with. And having a good culture then again means every day is a great day at work because everyone has great energy, positive energy, and you're working towards attaining what is expected of you in a good way. And when you do that again, you're able to um, grow and advance in the opportunities available to you. And so it really kind of sits in that whole framework of growing to be a better person. So being socially conscious kind of gives us empathy and allows us to be the best and being the best makes you grow in there. And so I think it's a very important thing that I, I look out for when choosing a company to work with. Samuel, I'm going to be recruiting for our people strategy rollout. And I think I've just found a new candidate. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, and I'd love to hear from you too around looking to an employer with a sense of higher purpose or a connection to your own personal values. I think, yeah, it's extremely important because I feel today work is not looked at as an added burden or something, but it is a part of your identity and it's what defines you as a person. So I feel working with people who are as driven as, and as motivated as you are and who have the same intellectual level, I think it really helps you in uh, forming yourself as a great individual and you even you imbibe those cultures all, as well. Also, when you work with such people in, at a very early stage of your careers, even you have the tendency to give back to your new generation when, you, when they join the workforce. So I feel that's something which is really important in creating the ripple effect all across the organization. And yes, that's why it's extremely important while choosing a form or organization. Fantastic. The future is looking very bright. Thanks, Bentley, for that. As I said, it's always interesting to hear about this generation's views about how their lives might pan out. We're not going to hold you to any of these commitments. We asked a couple of questions about the future. One interesting trend we saw in the results that more interns listed that they plan to have a pet than to raise children in the next 10 years. So I want your take on that. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but what do you think about that, Nayan? In the next 10 years, I would say definitely I would pet a dog because my mom, as of now, doesn't allow me to. So as, in, as soon as I move out, I'm getting a dog for sure. Yeah, I would say it would be a dog. Samuel? For me, I will go a little different to what the results showed. I would probably go with both. Both because I I, I love pets and so I'd, I'd want to have a pet. But I also believe companionship is very important as you grow. And so I'd also want to have a child as well. And... I believe if you have a child, you're able to, you know, give off your values and things that you've learned over time to him or her. And so growing up and saying, okay, so this is my offspring. This is a meaning me and that's exactly what I do is just perfect. And so I would be on the side of getting both of them. <laughs> Jessica, how are you thinking about the next 10 years? Yeah, so I would answer this with desire for freedom. So I think in the next 10 years, most of us will probably be focusing on our careers and thus don't like to take responsibility for raising a child. And pets just don't need the same sacrifices required for raising children, I think. Another survey result, which was, I think, pretty interesting, is that 38% of our interns thought they'd be working until after the age of 65. Is that because people think in modern society it's just easier to work longer, or do you think that's out of economic necessity? Nyan, think you'll be working much longer than maybe your parents did? I think yes, because I feel today we are becoming more and more aware of the career choices and making a more informed decision, which is primarily because of two reasons. One is 
ease of access to information for sure. And secondly, would be a, this huge spectrum of opportunities which are available for us out there these days. And today's generation, I feel, is actively seeking meaningful working opportunities and they're actually looking for work which they truly enjoy. So I feel they do not, as I said, they do not look at work as something as an added responsibility, but as part of their own identity. So they would love to work as long as they can, instead of looking at it as just a milestone for age, like if I after 60, I will do whatever I want to, because they are doing whatever they, what they really want to while they're working. So I think that's how it will pan out. I love that answer. Samuel, how about you? I happen to be a part of the 38%. Uh, the reason why I think I'd still be working after 65 is really, um, I would have gained a an enormous amount of wealth of knowledge that I believe would be very essential to changing the future then. And so to keep my mind alert, to give off to society and to be part of the change, I think it'd be best to still be in the workforce to help that kind of progress. I think that's the best thing to do in my opinion. So yeah. Jessica, what are your views on that? It's hard to imagine being 65 at your age, but what do you think you'll be doing at that stage or how do you think about it? Yeah, I fully agree with that too. So my personal view is that when you follow your passion in life, you will be successful in your career and probably also live longer. So there are many benefits related to working. You're more active, you stay socially engaged. So when you feel more passionate about the work you're doing than about anything else, why would you stop what you're doing to retire? Yeah, especially when we found ways, especially during COVID, to achieve more balance. Well, we'll do a lightning round here. I want to add one. So just off script, I want to ask you about a book recommendation for all of us. So I'll give you 10 seconds to think about that. But we'll start the lightning round. I'll just go in order, Nyan, Samuel, Jessica, and we'll just do them really quickly. So Nyan, video call or phone call? Phone call. Samuel, how about you? Video call. Jessica? Video call. Okay. TV show or movie? Some of you already answered this, but Nyan, how about you? Movies. Movies. Samuel? I will stick with movie because the movie kind of ends after an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How about you, Jessica? (laughs) Movie. All right. We also got some insight into this already, but early bird or night owl? Nyan? Night owl. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Night owl. And Jessica? Me too. Definitely night owl. Okay. And I'd love, fascinated to hear what people are reading or what's moved them recently. Nyan, anything that you've read recently, book or article that you'd recommend for our audience? Most of what I read is about um, personal finance and all of that. Uh, so I would say one very basic and very famous book, which everyone knows, but I still am a huge proponent of that, but we just poured out and I would recommend that to everyone. That everyone should read it, be it of any field or any branch. Samuel, anything you've read recently that you'd recommend for our audience? Yes, um, I'm kind of reading, well, I'm halfway through a book called Kicking Away the Ladder by Ha Juk Chang. It's a book on nations and economies and how rich countries become rich and how developing countries are adopt some of these policies to help them as well. And it's more like a debate on if it's working or not. I feel they want to gain an understanding of how nations have evolved over time and that would be the perfect book to read. So kicking away the ladder. Awesome, thank you. Jessica, any thoughts on books or anything else that you'd recommend for our audience? Yeah, my recommendation for a book would be Freakonomics. So this is a book they uncover hidden things of almost everything. So it's really fun to read and gets you insights of things you haven't even thought about. 
All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us and for sharing your perspective on what was uh, an unusual summer, certainly a historic summer. So you're all part of history. Nayan, Samuel, Jessica, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me here. Yeah, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Bentley. It was amazing. Thank you so much for having me as well, Jake. I really appreciate the time and all the amazing um, insights from everyone here. That concludes this episode of Exchanges of Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And tune in later this week for our weekly markets update where leaders across the firm provide a quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on September 3rd, 2020. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.